Well, it is a great joy to be here this morning and to be able to sing uh, these wonderful carols, old and new. And even though the angels are worshipping, they don't know what it is to be able to call Jesus their Lord and Saviour. Only we have that privilege. And as we get older, we do uh, value Christmas more and more, don't we? When I was a child, I really enjoyed Christmas. And then when I got uh, the other side of 20, uh, Christmas uh, maybe was uh, less enjoyable. But now that I'm the other side of 50, I'm really beginning uh, to uh, have a second childhood and Christmas is a thrilling time and we have uh, been uh, looking at the accounts of the birth of Jesus Christ uh, in Luke. Uh, God has led our assistant and trainee uh, to those portions and last night it was a lovely message in the account in Matthew. Well today, by God's grace, uh, the Lord has given me two messages and they're not from the well-known accounts. It's an alternative uh, Christmas um, theme. And this morning, we're going to look at the first ever Christmas. Uh, the first time uh, this world heard the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, it wasn't in fields outside of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, believe it or not. It was thousands and thousands of years before that in the Garden of Eden. So let's look at Christmas in Eden this morning. And Kerry very helpfully read the account to us in Genesis chapter 3. And the first ever Christmas announcement was in verse 15 of Genesis 3. Let's read that again and I'll have three things to say about it, and then I will sit down. Genesis 3:15. I will put this is God now speaking. Uh, God, through an angel, made the announcements to the shepherds, and it is God himself here who is speaking. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, the first point is what makes this announcement amazing wasn't just the fact that it was thousands of years before the birth of Jesus Christ, but the setting was one of darkness and death. Eden was paradise. But by the time we reach chapter 3 of Genesis, it's no longer paradise. Paradise has been lost, and it's midnight in the Garden of Eden. There is death. Uh, there is sorrow. There is warfare. And in 2022, very little has changed. We've had a pandemic, and some of us are still suffering as a result of COVID. We've had a war, 
uh, I can't remember a war in Europe in the last few decades, can you? And there are great uncertainties this Christmas. I was brought up in the 1970s. It's like we're back in the 70s. Strikes, economic uncertainty. And there are some uh, church families who are going to be lonely this Christmas. Uh, They will have lost loved ones during the past year, as we've heard in the announcements. So there's something very contemporary about the Christmas that was celebrated in the Garden of Eden and what we are facing this morning. Now, in the account, we know why paradise was lost, don't we? It was the devil. Uh, Lucifer was a perfect angel, and he wasn't happy with his position in heaven. And it was pride that caused Lucifer to fall, and Satan came down, and God had made this world perfect. He had made the perfect uh, man, Adam, and the perfect woman taken from his side, Eve. That was the pinnacle of his creation. And now the devil wanted to destroy the work of God's creation. So he came, and in the form of a serpent, he tempted our first parents. And it was pride, my friends. It was pride that caused Eve and Adam to disobey God. What did the devil do? Oh, there is something again very relevant about this. He caused them to doubt God's goodness. Are you doubting whether God is good this morning? That is the devil. He caused them to question the word of God. Has God said, are you here this morning questioning the Bible? That again is of the devil. And he... uh, gave them a bait but hid the hook. He said, if you eat of that forbidden fruit, you will become like God. You will know, you will know, and how that came about. But it was a half-truth, wasn't it? There was a hook there, and the hook was, yes, we have become like God, but with a small g, and now we are separated from God and we are in death. In the midst of life, we are in death. God said, if you eat of the forbidden fruits, the day you will eat it, dying, you will surely die. And that's what we're seeing in our world. What did William Blake say? Joy and woe are woven fine. So we can still see something of the vestige of paradise. Even in this world, we we have joys, don't we? Uh, We we are blessed in so many ways. And yet it's mixed with curses. Since the last time we met here on Christmas Day, a year ago, surprisingly, some people are no longer with us because they've died. Are you ready to die? This is why we need the Christmas message. Uh, Luther, Luther loved Christmas. Luther used to dress as an angel uh, and uh, make the announcements to the children. 
in church. Now, thankfully, I'm not going to do that. But Luther uh, said uh, this was the negative uh, in the Garden of Eden, as it is the negative uh, today. Luther says what this death has done to us is caused us to turn in on ourselves. That's what sin does. And so Adam and Eve, they were blaming each other. There was a blame game going on in the Garden of Eden. Adam blamed his wife, as we men tend to do. And Eve blamed the devil. The devil made me do it. No one taking responsibility for their actions. And that's the language of sin. To quote Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And what God is saying, in effect, to them is, okay, you've done it your way, Go your own way then. Go your own way. That's what death means. Do you know what death is? Death is separation. So even though you are physically alive here this morning, you're spiritually dead. Because the moment our first parents turned away from God, they were separated from the life of God spiritually. We are dead in trespasses and sins. It doesn't matter if we are respectable people. Many of us are respectable people. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're still dead. We're as dead as dodos spiritually. And if you're an out-and-out sinner, you're dead. But we're all dead. Dead is dead. That's the dark context of the first Christmas announcements. And that makes it amazing because we are in a dark, hopeless world and there's joy in the announcements this morning. My second point, light and victory, light and victory. It wasn't Adam and Eve that came up with the answer. They were dead spiritually. They were too busy blaming each other. It was God that gave the announcements. Isn't that encouraging this morning? We're not here to make ourselves right. We're not here to get ourselves out of this mess. We can't. We're here to consider what God has done in Jesus Christ. Luther again this is the first comfort, the source of all mercy and fountainhead of all promise. What does God do? Well, if you've got a Bible, look at what he says in verse 15. He's speaking to the devil. I like that. It's the devil that has brought all this upon mankind. And God says to him, I'm going to sort this out. That's the message of Christianity. That's the Christmas story. God sorting things out, not you and me. And what God is promising here is a seed. What's that, you say? Well, it means a person. A person is going to be born to the lineage of Eve, so he's going to be a real human being, and that person is going to be unique, and that person is going to sort out all the mess that we're in. That is what we're remembering at Christmas. The seed of the woman. Now then, I want you to think of the darkness in the Garden of Eden. And there's a saying, isn't there? It's often darkest right before the dawn. Have you ever been up at the crack of dawn? Have you ever been up before the sun has risen? 
because there is a light. There is a light. And then it's a, a few hours after that that you begin to see the sun rising. And what we have here, it's as dark as anything. And here is the first glimmer of light, as Silent Night says. The dawn of redeeming grace. The dawn of redeeming grace wasn't in the fields outside of Bethlehem. The dawn of redeeming grace was in the Garden of Eden. There's a light. There's a glimmer of hope. And what you have then in the Old Testament is that light increasing and increasing. And so you have a bit more information, as we heard last night in the carol service. By the time of Isaiah, we realize this isn't just going to be a man. This is going to be a child, yes. But this is going to be mighty God, everlasting Father. This is the person that God is going to send. Wonder of wonders. And then by the time you get to the New Testament, when the fullness of the times were come, God sent this person. It's the sun rising, the sun of righteousness rising. And that is just the beginning. The sun reaches its zenith when Jesus goes to the cross to die. The Prince of Peace. The God-man, as we heard last night. Emmanuel. And this is amazing, you know, he's the hero. He's the hero. The Prince of Peace has come to fight, and he's come to fight Satan. I say this with trepidation. When Jesus was born, God the Son, uh, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God the Son who was with the Father from eternity, became one of us. Now, when God the Son, I'm saying this with trepidation, was in heaven, Satan couldn't touch him. But now that Jesus has become a baby, he's vulnerable. And so there's a battle going on. When Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, the fulfillment of this promise, there's going to be a battle. This is what God says to him. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you ahead and you shall bruise his heel. So there's a battle. Does it surprise you that King Herod is incited by the devil to infanticide? He must destroy this uh, king. But he doesn't, does he? He doesn't succeed because this is God's plan. And then uh, when Jesus begins his public ministry, does it surprise you that he's tempted like nobody before? It's the devil wanting to cause this champion to fall. Because if Jesus would have fallen into temptation, he could never have delivered us from sin. But he didn't. Uh, praise be to God. And then when Jesus began his public ministry, he was only a minister for three years. That's not very long. Does it surprise you that there were so many demonic attacks? It doesn't surprise us, does it? Because the devil wanted to distract him. And then does it surprise you that it was through the kisses of a friend's betrayal? Does it surprise you that the devil got into the heart of one of the 12 disciples? It shouldn't. Because the devil thought, now I'm going to get him. Now this Messiah, this God-man, I'm going to stop him in his tracks. Does it surprise you to hear that Satan thought he'd won when he got Jesus Christ to hang on the cross? Does it surprise you? The devil always oversteps his mark. Do you know, when the devil thought he'd won, 
he'd lost. Jesus Christ, from the jaws of defeats, clutched victory. One of the most famous uh, children's books is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. How many of you have read it? I, I've read it many, many times. It's even got a Christmas theme because you've got Father Christmas appearing. And that's not uh, an aside. You have Narnia, like Eden, like our world, under the curse, under the curse of the White Witch. And there is a glimmer of hope. Uh, Aslan, who is a picture of Christ, is on the move. And one of the first signs of that is Father Christmas appearing again. Because the White Queen had banned Christmas. And now Father Christmas appears. But more important, Aslan did battle with the White Queen just as Christ did battle with the devil. And in order to save guilty Edmund, do you remember that? Just like we are guilty, what Aslan had to do was take his place on the stone table. Aslan had to be sacrificed in order to pay the punishment for Edmund's disobedience. And uh, the white witch thought, now I've got Aslan, now I'm going to kill the emperor's only son. And yet the white witch didn't realize there was deeper magic from before the dawn of time that if an innocent victim died in the place of a guilty person, then the power of death would be turned around. And my friend, the devil, when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross and the devil thought, this is my hour, I've got him now, the devil had forgotten the gospel promise made in the Garden of Eden. Because in getting Jesus to die on the cross, the devil forgot that it was through his death that Jesus was taking the curse for you and for me. It was by dying for our sin that death was defeated. The death of death in the death of Jesus Christ. And it was through that that Jesus conquered Satan. I, I, I nearly jumped in my seat yesterday in the carols because the children sang one of my favorite carols. Mary's boy child, that has made my Christmas. And there's a line in that which says, Man shall live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Not so much because of Jesus being born. Yes, that was the beginning. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we uh, because we've sinned, we have been banished from Eden, uh, as we had in the reading. There is no way back to us, to eternal life. But Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross, by taking the punishment for our sins, by uh, defeating death, he's opened the way back again. In the words of Milton, paradise was lost, but paradise has been re gained. This is not a carol, but it's worth quoting. Williams Pantakelin wrote, in Eden, sad indeed that day, my countless blessings fled away, my crown fell in disgrace, but on victorious Calvary, that's the cross, that crown was won again for me by Jesus Christ, my life shall all be praise. 
And then one last point. Life coming to us. What did Adam and Eve do with this announcement? What are you going to do with this announcement? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour, one who saves, Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins by living as our substitute, living the perfect life which we can't live, and by dying on that cross, the death, the eternal death which we face. What are you going to do about it? What did Adam and Eve do about it? Adam named his wife Eve. Do you know what Eve means? Now, here is a man who's heard the best possible news, right? God is saying, I'm going to provide somebody who's going to turn around all of this curse. He's going to open the way back into paradise. Now, what does Adam do? He has got death around him. He has blamed his wife. There is uh, tension. Uh, there is sorrow. Uh, all around uh, is despair, apart from that good news. Now, Adam could have named his wife, Woe. Uh, I know somebody. Uh, he calls his wife Trouble and Strife. <laughs> He could have called his wife suffering. He could have called his wife death. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> but instead, he calls her Eve. Do you know what Eve means? Life. So, in the midst of death and sorrow, what Adam is doing is believing this promise of God. God is saying, I'm going to sort this out. A person is going to come, and he's going to bring not just life, but eternal life. And so what Adam does is believe God. He takes God at his word. He puts his trust in this deliverer. And so, as a result, he calls his wife life. Luther again, Adam looked to Eve as the mother of all the living he saw through to life when everything around him was being subjected to death. And then do you know what Eve did? It wasn't just Adam who believed. Do you know what Eve did? She gave birth to a firstborn son. And he's called Cain. Now we know what Cain did. He was a murderer. But Cain means here he is. And I really think, in her heart of hearts, she got it wrong, but I really think Eve thought, here he is, the seed. This is the one that is going to deliver us from the mess we are in. She got it really wrong because Cain turned out to be one of the worst human beings to have lived. But she was right in her heart. She was trusting to the promise of God. I don't know what your circumstances are. Maybe like Adam and Eve. In Eden, it's midnight for you at this moment. Maybe you are in mourning because you have lost a loved one. Maybe Christmas is going to be very difficult for you this year because there's going to be an empty seat where last year there was one who was near and dear to you. Maybe... You are not grieving, but maybe you are facing all sorts of difficulties. 
and even if you are not, one day we're all going to have to die and face God, and after that, the judgment. But you know what? Death isn't the last word. Do you know what? Satan isn't the last word. Do you know what? Suffering isn't the last word. Do you know what? This COVID and this post-COVID fatigue isn't the last word. It's not man that has the last word, and it's certainly not the devil that has the last word. It's God who has the last word. And the last word of the Bible is come, come. And the first word of the Bible is, I have provided a saviour, the seed of the woman. And what I want you to do is to name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Even when everything around you may not be giving you any hope, you look to Jesus Christ as the only one who can bring life, who can save you from sin. Uh, you know, the, the, I'm coming to an end now. Don't worry. You will have your Christmas lunch. <laughs> you know, God says that the seed of the woman uh, will have enmity towards the devil. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean we just, in our heads, believe in Jesus. It's not easy believism. This enmity is repentance. We begin to hate sin. We begin to hate what the devil has done. And instead of the blame game, that's what Adam and Eve were doing first. This is what convinces me that they became believers. Uh, we don't find them blaming one another by the end of chapter 3 of Genesis. We find them naming. Uh, Adam naming Eve as the life giver. Eve naming her firstborn child as the one she thought was going to deliver. What are you doing this morning? Are you still in the blame game? We're very good at the blame game, aren't we? Or have you said, I'm a sinner, I deserve God's judgment, but I am so grateful that at Christmas, God has sent Jesus Christ to save me from sin, and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to bow the knee to him. I'm going to rejoice in him. Uh, in the words of Williams Pantakelin, sorry, it's not a carol. I will finish with a carol. But he says, faith, see the place and see the cross where heaven's prince, instead of me, was nailed to bear my shame. He was bruised, bruised was the serpent by the sun, though two had wounds, their only conquered one, and Jesus was his name. Didn't you enjoy that version of, O oh, come all ye faithful last night, O oh, come all you unfaithful, not joyful and triumphant, but sorrowful and unstable. Isn't that good? We're coming from the midnight of Eden, from the darkness to the light of Jesus Christ. While I was standing at the door, I don't know what to say to people at Christmas. Is it all right to say Merry Christmas? Or does Mary have the wrong connotations? What, what do you think? Is it all right? And then I came across this carol. I'll finish with this. 
I think this is what Adam and Eve were doing by the end of Genesis 3. And this is what I want you to be doing by the end of today. God rest, e Mary. There's a right use of Mary, isn't there? It doesn't have to mean drunkenness. God rest, e Mary, gentlemen and women. Let nothing you dismay, however dark it may be in your life. Remember Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day to save us all, if we believe in him, from Satan's power. Hallelujah. When we were gone astray, and then it ends with the repeats three times, oh, tidings, oh, good news of comfort and joy, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. May you all have a very merry Christmas as you embrace this promise, even in darkness, this light of the world. And may you really enjoy today in the fullest sense of the word. We're going to sing now what's considered as one of the greatest carols, Hark the Herald, and we're singing the full version. We were doing it properly. And the last stanza says, Come, desire of nations, come. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. 171, 171.
Hail, thou heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail, thou Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Born that man no more may die. We just praise thee for such glad tidings of great joy. And we ask, O God, that in the midst of death, all of us here, from the youngest to the oldest, will, by thy grace, embrace Jesus Christ as our only hope. And now may his grace and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all throughout today and forevermore. Amen.